0: financially and sharing the love that you've blessed us with so lord let us experience more of that new life in us let us embrace the challenge of giving and being generous and lord may this church just um grow as a part of that how many of you here today have ever seen the show america's got talent any america's got talent fans got a few people here that have seen it It's, it's a televised talent show um the competition that's part of the franchise created by simon cowell in 2006, broadcast on NBC, typically like in the summers, and likely you've seen the show at one time or another, or a clip of someone that's on the show, uh, maybe you've seen something cool on YouTube that happened on the show. Well, here's a highlight, just a couple, a short little uh, clip from some of the highlights of America's Got Talent. If you don't know what it is, check out this short video real quick. On AGT champions, Star that have made history. Susan, I can't think of any contestant <laughs> who has defined this show better than you. <laughs> America's Got Talent gave me my life. Thank you for not being up on yourself. This is the best of the best from all over the world. We call it Olympics of Talent. You truly are a wonderful to be back on AGT? Yeah, a little. It's going to be so much fun. It's like we never left. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, Simon's even wearing the same clothes. That's pretty cool. But you know the thing for me about these shows, like America's Got Talent or American Idols, I watch these shows and there's some cool things. Sometimes there's some unique things um, that happen. But uh, sometimes I, I just like... I'll watch it. I'm like, you know, I'm not really that impressed by that because often I think about people that I know that have way more talent than the people on that show. Like there's some people here today that like should belong on America's Got Talent because they're just incredibly talented. You guys see Lydia playing drums today, just an incredible job using her gifts and talents. Here I was bragging on Alyssa in the first service. Alyssa was singing here earlier, but Alyssa is like super hilarious. Like in addition to being talented and singing and musically gifted, she's like a hilarious person. You probably saw a little bit of that in the video that played for a couple weeks during, uh, during Easter time. But uh, a year ago, she uh, they bought an auction package here, send kids to camp, and it was guitar lessons. And so I gave her like six weeks of guitar lessons, a little, I shared a little bit of the mediocre uh, ability that I have to play guitar with her. And she's like taking it and ran with it. And she like plays guitar and sings and does incredible stuff. We need to get her up here, Jesse, playing guitar on Sunday because she's, she's ready. Uh, but she plays violin. She's like super talented. She belongs on it. She can just like, it's like anything she touches uh, turns to gold. It's amazing. Um, she needs to be on that show. I look around this room today and there's a ton of talented people that are amazingly gifted by God. And I think, you know what? New Life's got talent. We have gifted athletes. We have talented musicians. We have artists and poets and skilled craftsmen. Uh, Ace is here. Ace restores cars. And if you saw the before and after picture, like it's incredible what he can do. Like it's, it's, it's really a gift. It's a talent with what he does. Some of the brightest legal minds in our state call New Life Church home. Because they're talented in that way. We have people that are incredible with numbers and finances and people that are gifted at serving and seeing a need and filling it. Hannah, just a couple weeks ago on Easter Sunday, wrote a spoken word and performed it to open the services. And it was awesome. It was an incredible addition to a powerful worship service. She plays saxophone. She's, like, super talented. And then she just decides, I'm going to go to college and just try uh, being in the drum line on a college level. You know, maybe I can put my... You know, Try my hand at that. And she's just like anything she touches. Incredibly, ridiculously super talented people. Artists like Debbie Reed and Dakota and others in our church that are just talented beyond anything I can imagine. I I really believe that New Life's Got Talent. I want to show off some of it today. I bragged on a few of them, but I, I put together my own like highlight list of of some New Life's Got Talent. I found some some uh, people in action showing off their talented skills. So here we go, let's go through this first one. We have uh, talented and skilled workers and craftsmen that do things like build signs and do work around the church and incredible job. Would you guys give them a hand? All of the guys that do that and work and are talented in that way. The next thing, we have some musically talented people that are just incredible worship leaders and lead us into God's presence. And give them a hand as well. Not only our traditional worship, but we have people that are talented with other musicians. Check this one out, that lead, and and we have special music from time to time, and uh, they do an incredible job with that, so give them a hand. We have people that not only can sing and play instruments, but are talented songwriters like Sierra that sang her song just a couple weeks ago with us, and that was awesome. And then we have friendly people that welcome people to church with signs, and that's awesome. A late addition to the group, we have people that are talented at cooking things from heaven. And this particular piece right here was sent to me last night. This is a, a, a piece of apple, uh, heavenly slice of, of goodness that is going to be available in the live auction today. And so I told you I was going to tip you throughout the service. And if you leave and don't stay for lunch and the live auction, you can't even bid on this. It's not an assignment auction. This is amazing. It, it's, it's well worth an hour of your time today and helps send kids to camp. But isn't it amazing that we have people that are so talented in this church? And Tanya Malvison, she is an incredible uh, chef, cook, does great desserts. Uh, I don't know how Scott isn't bigger than he is. He's, he's got some <laughs> trick over there. Uh, New Life has incredible talent, and that's just a the sampling. There's many of you that have incredible gifts of organization and teaching and leadership, giving. Some of you are like computer whizzes. Um, Some of you, acts of kindness just come natural. It just kind of oozes out of you. You just can't help but be kind to people and to serve people and be nice to them. And here's the thing about our gifts. I I do believe that New Life's Got Talent. And some of you, as I'm sharing about how you're talented, you're like, you know, it's no big deal. And you're kind of just blushing and shrugging it off or whatever. But oftentimes we devalue our gifts and talents. Because we look at someone else's talent and we wish we had that. Man, I wish I could play saxophone like Hannah. I wish I could play violin like Alyssa. I wish I could cook like Sanja. I wish I could build stuff like Scott. Whatever. We look at everybody else's gift and we devalue the gift that God's placed inside of us. Man, I wish I could sing like Carrie. If I could write songs like Sierra. If I could do spoken word like Hannah. If I could build like Eddie. Fix everything like Scott. If I could cook like so-and-so. If I could do art like that person. That's the human nature. We want what we don't have and we devalue the things that we do have and the things God's placed inside of us. But my question to you today is really not how much do you have or what are you able to do, but what are you doing with what you do have? What is it that God has given you and what are you doing with that? We're going to look from Matthew chapter 25. It's a long passage that we'll be in today, but uh, we're just going to look at a couple of scriptures, and I'm going to kind of summarize it for us. You can turn on, uh, on the pages of your Bible. If you have actual pages that turn, you can do that. That's an incredible way to follow along. If you have a smartphone or tablet device, You can go to the Bible app or the YouVersion app. We've got a live event on there that also has our sermon notes. You can follow along that way or look up on the screen here. Uh, Whatever whatever your preferred style of learning is, we've got you covered today. And uh, you can also take some notes on the back of your worship guide that you received when you came in. But to set up what's going on in Matthew chapter 25, we turn back a couple chapters, and I'll just give you a summary of what's going on. Jesus is sitting with his disciples in the Mount of Olives. And the conversation starts with a question from the disciples about the end times. That's really what sets up what's going on in Matthew uh, chapter 25. The disciples wanted to know what it was going to be like, similar to the questions that people ask today about the end times. As a pastor, people tell me all the time, what do you believe about this? Or what do you think about this? Or what's your theory about this? Or why don't you preach about the end times? So you're going to get a little bit of that today, uh, but... Uh, it, These questions that the disciples had are just like the ones we have. When is the world going to end? When is Jesus going to come back? What should we look for? What should we expect? And Jesus answered their questions in a very Jesus-typical way. He answered them with a series of three stories to teach the disciples and drive home his point. And these stories are called parables. And today, I want us to look together at the second of those three stories that's found in Matthew chapter 25, which begins about... Verse 14, I'm going to summarize some of this, and we'll look at a couple key verses in that story. But basically, Jesus is teaching, and he tells his disciples that it's very similar to a master that's going to go on an extended trip. And he called his servants together, and he delegated responsibilities. To one, he gave $5,000, right? Now, in the Bible, in King James, it calls it talents. But talents was a unit of money. It can be confusing. Some people think, well, God gave them a talent or 5,000 different talents. Well, he gave them 5,000 units of money, and our unit of money is a dollar, so we're just going to call it dollars today to keep it simple. So to one he gave $5,000, to another $2,000, and to a third he gave $1,000. According to their abilities, and then he went away on a trip. So this master tells his servants that he's going away, and he's leaving them in charge of his business and his money, and it's still his, but he wants them to take care of it while he's gone. That's important, though, that it is it is still his. They're just entrusted with this. And so these guys are given authority and responsibility to do something with what they've been given. And in Bible times these people were called stewards, which is where we get the word stewardship from. And a steward would act on behalf of someone else. Now it may not sound like a ton of money or responsibility, but in Jesus' time it was basically five thousand talents would be equivalent to like two and a half years worth of salary. So it was it was a significant amount. Imagine if you make $50,000 that someone's entrusting you with $125,000. That could be a pretty significant thing. And so there's something here in this story, though, that doesn't seem fair to me. And I've always, I've always wrestled with it a little bit. And maybe you do, too. Why does only one guy get $5,000? And why does the other person get $2,000? And then what about the guy that only gets 1000 Why didn't the master just come together and put like, you know, 8,000 and divided three equal ways and give it to them. Like, why, why did he do what he did? I, I don't know. It stinks. It stinks for the guy, you know, that got only 1,000 to be, you know, almost like he was gypped and the other guy got 5,000. Like, what, what did he do right? What did I do wrong? What did, what did I do to deserve to get so much less? When we look at how these people handled what was entrusted to them and and right off the bat, the guy with 5000 went to work and he doubled his master's money, which is pretty good. And the second guy did the same. So the owner is gone and the stewards are supposed to manage the money the way that he would manage his own money according to his own priorities. And these two guys did. They doubled his money. Now, Ryan in our church, I was thinking about this last night. He's a, a financial advisor and an investment guy. He manages my retirement. He does a great job with a little bit that, that I put toward it which you know isn't, isn't very much to work with at all. Um, but I put a little bit and my goal with that is that I want it to increase and to grow. And when I signed up with Ryan and started sending my money into the company that he works with, to be honest with you, I didn't care if Ryan wanted to personally buy a new car or if he wanted to build a house, um, if that's what he wants to do with his money, that's fine. Um, But with the money that I trust him with, it's not his goals and his priorities that matter in that situation. That's not what I'm entrusting my money with him for. It's my goals and my priorities. I expect the company that that he works for, that I entrust them with my goals and my resources of savings and retirement and taking advantage of tax benefits and all that kind of stuff. And the job of the steward is to adopt the priorities of the owner, right? But the man that was given $1,000, he did something different than the other two that doubled their money. He went and dug a hole in his backyard, and he buried his master's money. What? How in the world are you going to do that? He hid it in the ground. What was he thinking? Well, after a long absence, and we don't know how long of an absence that it was, the master of the three servants came back to settle up with him, In other words, he came to see how the servants were doing and applying his priorities to the resources that he gave them. And apparently, he didn't text them one time while he was away. He never called to check up. He wasn't logging on to the account to see how the stock market was doing. Never once did he do that. We don't know how long he was gone. Maybe it was 50 years. Maybe it was five years. Who knows? But he never stayed in touch with him. I mean, imagine me entrusting my resources to Ryan. And I give him the little bit that I have. And I'm like, I'm not going to talk to you for 50 years. Here's 10 bucks. Do something amazing with it. And I'll see you in 50 years. And I don't call. I don't text. I don't log on to check my account like I do like it's more often than I should, Ryan tells me. He's like, just keep putting money in and quit looking at it. Okay, whatever. But after 50 years, I come and I sit down with them, and I'm like, I'm so excited to hear what you did with what I gave you. Imagine what it would be like if he if he doubled my money. It would be incredible. He told me after the first service that if, if I give him my money for more than 50 years, he better do more than double it, so I'm, I'm going <laughs> to hold him to it. Um, but this master, he never talked to him to see how, how it was going. He comes back and he meets with him. And, and the person that was given 5000 he doubled his master's money. I'd like to know how he did that. Ryan signed me up for at least that much of that plan. And his master commended him and said, Well done. From now on, you'll be my partner. High five. I'm going to give you more. You're no longer just a servant. You're not just a steward. Now you're a partner. I've got a place for you in my business. Let's read verse 21. It says this, this master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. To the guy that was given 2,000, it was the same story. Well done. Be my partner. The guy that was only given 2,000 was treated the exact same way as the guy that was given 5,000. In fact, it's word for word the exact same blessing. They didn't start or end with the same amount, but they received the same blessing because they were faithful with what they were given and accomplished the priorities of their master. They both became partners. Now to the servant that was given $1,000. He'd been watching all this, and he tells the master that he knows that there's high standards, and the master hates careless waste, and he has no tolerance for error, and he was afraid that he would disappoint the master. So instead of risking anything, He just found a good hiding place. He says, I secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, to the last cent. Aren't you excited? And I just imagine sitting across from Ryan in 50 years and saying, you know, here's the 10 bucks I gave you. I didn't lose one penny of it. Have a happy retirement. Could you imagine what that conversation would would be like? You did what? I entrusted you with... Everything I had for my retirement for 50 years, and you dug a hole in your backyard and stuck it in a jar? And you bring me this dirty old buried jar with nothing more than what I gave you? What in the world are you doing? And he says, I didn't lose it. I didn't waste it. I kept it safe. Here's your money back. He didn't make any money, but at least he didn't lose any, right? I mean, someone's got to come to his defense. Sometimes you read this and you're like, you know, well, you know, he didn't take it and go to McDonald's and buy a happy meal, you know. At least he at least he gave back everything that he was given. But that's not the way the master saw it. The master said that's unacceptable. That's a criminal way to handle my resources. If you knew I was after the best, then why would you do less than the least? The least you could have done would be to invest it with one of the banks so that I would have gotten the measly 1.25% interest, thanks for 10 cents. <laughs> So now I'm going to take that thousand that I gave you and I'm going to give it to the one that risks the most. Look what he says in verse 28. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the story. And it's a pretty tough story. The guy with a $1,000 did not use what he was given. He didn't become a partner. He was kicked completely out. And it seems kind of harsh, but what does it mean? I've preached this sermon before, and I focused completely on the money. And it seemed like a good message. And it worked, and it made sense, and God has given you something. Use it for his kingdom. I've preached it just like that. I've heard it a million times. Here's the thing. That's really not the entirety of the point of this story. It's not the meaning here really at all. It's so much more than that. Let's back up just a little bit. I gave you some of the, the background of, of where, why we got to this passage in Matthew chapter 25. The conversation with the disciples wasn't about money. What were they asking about? The end times. The end of the world, the return of Jesus. What's it going to be like? And remember I said that this was the second of three stories that Jesus told to answer those questions that they had about the end times. The first story was about ten virgins who were waiting for the bridegroom. Five of them were ready, and five of them were not. And the moral of that story was that make sure that you're ready. Be alert. Stay alert because you never know when he's going to come, and you have to always be ready. The story I just told you, we'll come back to here in just a minute, but the third story that Jesus told about his return was that when he comes back, we will be judged for what we did and for what we didn't do with the life that he gave us. So that's the context. I'm coming back and, and you won't know when I'm going to come. So be ready because when I return, you will be judged for what you did and for what you didn't do. So with that context, you probably have a pretty good idea of what the story really was about. The guy with 5000 the guy with 2000 the guy with 1000 You can see it wasn't all about the money, even though that's it's probably pretty obvious to you now. You probably figured it out. Let me briefly put it in my words for you, just three things that I observed from this passage that can speak to us today. First is that Jesus is coming back. Jesus says, one day I'm going to come back. I will return. In the story, it doesn't tell us how long the master was gone. It was enough time that the faithful servants were able to double the 5,000 and double the 2,000, but the amount of time isn't really what matters. The master told his servants he was going away, and he told them that he would come back, And he came back, and Jesus is going to come back in the same way. There's a lot of discussion and theories and controversies about the end times and what's going to happen and what has to happen first. And and people write books about the day and the time and the hour, and Jesus said, no one knows the day or the time or the hour. People ask me all the time, what do you believe? And this is what I believe, and this is what you need to believe. No, don't need to complicate it. Jesus is coming back. It's as simple as that. Don't worry about if this has to happen first or if that's going to happen. The Bible says he can come at any time and that he's going to come like a thief in the night and he's going to surprise many at his return. And so I simply choose to believe that Jesus is going to keep his word. He's going to come back like he said he is and what has to happen before and after and all those kinds of things. No one really knows. You can come up with a million theories and you can put your hope in that. I'm just going to put my hope in Jesus' words that he's coming back. And the second thing that we need to know is that we better be ready. We learn from this story that Jesus not only says, I'm going to come back. He said, I I will return. But that what we do while he's gone matters. There will come a time that it will be too late for the the guy that dug a hole in his backyard, put the thousand dollars there and just sat on it. When the master came back, it was too late. It's not too late for us. Right now there's still time. Get ready, get things in order. Understand that he's entrusted you with something, this is not downtime. What you do tomorrow when you wake up matters. What you do with, God, with what God has entrusted you with the gifts and the talents and the abilities, the, the incredible, ridiculous talents that He's given you it matters. New life's got talent. God's been generous with you. He expects you to be using what He's given you to advance His kingdom and His causes. He put your personality inside of you. He gave you the character traits that you have. He gave you the ability, the the breath in your lungs. All those things are gifts from God. Are you using what he's given you for his purposes or only for your own? If not, you need to start now. Most of us can probably remember a few times. Some of us we have to go back a little bit. You can remember a few times when mom and dad left left you alone in the house for maybe a weekend or maybe 24 hours? How many of y'all remember back to those days? Maybe the first time that you got to stay home alone for a weekend. And it was going to be so great. Remember what mom would say before she left, right? Don't make a mess. (laughs) Clean up after yourself. Uh, Maybe mom would even ask us to do something while she's gone. Like Why would you have to do that? You know, I'm leaving you $40 to order pizza, but make sure I want you to clean up the kitchen by the time I get back. You're like, ah, you didn't have to ruin a perfect thing. (laughs) So terrible. And they would leave, and you wouldn't think, you know, about how much time you have. You go in the kitchen, you look around, you look at the dirty dishes, and you think about washing them. That's about as far as it gets. But you wait a little bit, so you you decide you're going to make a snack, right? So you pull out a banana, you cut them in nice little boat slices, and you take out some peanut butter, and you you smother them in peanut butter. A little peanut butter gets on the counter, but it's okay. You'll clean it up later when you clean the kitchen. And you toss that banana peel over to the trash can, except for you missed a little bit, and it kind of falls back behind it. But you got time. You got all the time in the world. No one else is there. It's okay. They just left. Everything's going to be all right. So you go in the living room. You have it all to yourself. You can turn on the TV. You put that snack on the, on the good table that's never supposed to have anything like peanut butter or bananas on it, but you do it because no one else is there. It's all yours. You kick off your shoes. You lean back on the couch and you relax. You put your, your, your feet and your socks up on the table that's never supposed to have socks on. it. You just kick those shoes off right there in the middle of the living room floor because no one's there to tell you no. You can do whatever you want. You grab some drinks and some snacks and you put them on that special coffee table while you're watching the movie. And of course you have to put things back like they're supposed to be before the weekend's over, but you have plenty of time. You have all the time in the world. We all know how the story goes. Time flies when you're having fun and it's all fun and games until the weekend's over and the house is still in a mess and you're in trouble. The kitchen is filthy, the dishes aren't done, there's peanut butter all over the counter, and there's flies now because there's a banana peel that's behind the trash can that never got picked up. The living room's a disaster. There's food everywhere. There's drinks spilled on the good coffee table and some kind of smudge that looks like it came from a sock. Your shoes are still in the middle of the living room floor. What in the world? You had all the time in the world, but all of a sudden time was up and there's no more time. That's how it's going to be if we're not ready and we're not faithful with what God's entrusted us with. Final thing that I want you to know today is that we will give an account. Not only does Jesus say, I'm coming back, not only have we better get ready and the things that we do matter, but he says that on the day you'll have to give an account for what you did with what he gave you. And this is important because I I just can imagine us standing and looking the master in the eyes, looking Jesus in the eyes on the day that he returns and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And he looks you in the eyes and says, I gave you 70 years. 80 years I gave to some of you. Some of you I gave 30 years, and what did you do with it? I gave you the ability to sing, or I gave you the ability to teach. I gave you the ability to write or play the violin or to build, to serve. I gave you the ability to make money. Everybody gets something different, but we'll answer the question all the same. What did you do with what I gave you? You can look and compare. You can complain about who got Something else, and I've always said if you compare and compete, you live in defeat. And the reality of the situation is that you can say that it's not fair that you only got the, the things that you got, and that someone else got something else, but those are not the things that matter. All that's gonna matter is what did you do with what you had? We're all gonna answer the same question: what did you do with what I gave you? Your response will be one of two things on that day. You'll look Jesus in the face and you'll say, I, I knew you were coming back. I was ready. You gave me what you gave me. It may not have been what you gave to Brad or to Tom or to Sam, but you, you gave me what you gave me. You trusted me with it. And I took what you gave me and I did what you wanted. I took some risks. I used what you gave me wisely and I increased and I multiplied your kingdom. It's an incredible way to answer. I hope that we all can, but you might have to answer this way. You know, God, I really wasn't prepared for this, and I heard you were coming back and everything, but I've been hearing that my whole life, and people have said that, and I really didn't think it was going to happen. If I, if I did think it was going to happen, I certainly didn't think it was going to be this soon. Why, why couldn't you wait it just a little bit longer? Maybe I would have gotten it together if I had a little bit more time. God, I didn't, I didn't do anything with what you gave me. You gave me the ability to sing, and I'm, I'm sorry I didn't use that for you. You gave me the ability to teach, and I I didn't use that for your purpose either. You gave me the ability to write. I didn't use that for you. I'm sorry. But really, God, what I did, I, I didn't use any of what you gave me for your purposes at all. I used it for my purposes. I took everything that you gave to me, and I just did what I wanted with it. I spent my life doing my thing, my way, for my priorities and my objective, and I wasn't thinking about answering to you at all what I did with what you gave me. Now this is tough, but this is the point of the story, the point of the parable that Jesus taught when you stand before him and say God, I I hadn't planned on this and I didn't use what you gave me for your purpose then Jesus' answer to you will be the same answer the master gave to the servant who buried a thousand dollars in his backyard and did nothing with it. That's a terrible way to live. You took what I gave you and you did your own thing. There's not a place for you here. And that's why Jesus told his disciples, guys, you have a choice. You can live your way for your priorities, for your personal gain, or you can live my way for my priorities and be a steward of everything that I've given to you. It's not a meaningless choice. Everything hangs in the balance. It's not just about here and now. It's not just about what feels good or tastes good or what seems what is right to us. The way that we live on earth determines where we live forever. What you do now with what you've given will determine what happens then. Jesse, if you'll go ahead and just come and begin to play softly. The great thing about what Jesus did for the disciples and what we have the opportunity of is the guy that buried that thousand in the backyard, the master showed up and he didn't have, he didn't have another opportunity. But Jesus was telling the disciples, stay alert. Be prepared because it's coming. I'm coming back. And I'm telling you today, Jesus is coming back and he's entrusted you with so much and you can look at what you have and you can devalue what you have and say, God, God really didn't give me very much in comparison to someone else. Or, God, my my talents and my abilities are not that great. I can't really do that good of of stuff like somebody else. That's not the answer to the question that you're going to have to answer when he comes back. What did you do with what he gave you? bow your heads today. I want to pray for you. Today, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front, but I would like to do this. If you say, you know what? I'm thankful that I have this opportunity today because if I really take inventory of my life, Pastor Matt, I've got to change how I'm living. I've not been fulfilling God's purpose with what he's given me. I've really been focusing on my own priorities and my own interests. I've taken everything that God has given me, all the talents, all the abilities, the breath in my lungs, and I've really focused inward on myself. And, and I realize today that I'm gonna have to stand before God and I'm gonna have to answer that question, what did you do with what I gave you for my purposes? And, and I really need to change how I'm living. I've not been fulfilling God's purpose with what he's given me. If that's you today, Would you be honest and just slip your hand up and say, would you pray for me today? Because I want to focus on God's priorities. Hands up all over this place. Awesome, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Hands continuing to go up from front to back. I want to pray for you right where you're at today. God, would you forgive us? God, would you give us the ability to learn? So many talents and so many gifts, the abilities to write or, or to teach or to serve or to sing, different ones for every person. You, you've given us our personality traits and our gifts. Forgive us for thinking that these belong solely to us. Forgive us for living our way with what you've given instead of for your purpose. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask that you would help us to reorder and reprioritize our lives not according to our plans and our priorities, but according to your plan and your priorities. That, God, the things that you've entrusted to us would advance your kingdom and increase your kingdom. God, help us so that when we stand before you and you ask the question, what did you do with what I gave you? And we would be able to say, God, I took what you gave me and I increased and advanced your kingdom as you would have done. helping us to remember that how we live on earth determines where we live forever. God, I'm thankful for a church that serves, that gives generously, that does so much in our church and outside our church and in our community. God, I'm thankful for so many that even today have donated their gifts and their talents and their abilities and their passions to helping kids go to camp. God, continue to stir up that heart and that desire to live a life that's all about your kingdom. Use this the things that you've given to us for your glory. thank you, for it in your name. Amen. I don't want to just leave you there today. Some of you are scratching your head saying, okay, I know I need to do something. What now? I need to do something with what God has given me. And how do I do that? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Today we want to not just say, hey, you need to do better. We want to give you an opportunity. To connect your passions and your gifts and your talents and your abilities in areas that can advance God's kingdom. And I believe that every person has an area or areas of ministry that God has gifted them to be able to serve. God's given you unique talents and unique passions and unique interests that have value. Not only on a personal level, it's great if you can earn a living with what God's given you. That's not that that's wrong. What are you doing for his kingdom with it as well? And so we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Many of you serve in many areas of our church already, ushers and greeters and teachers. Some of you are trying to figure out how to get involved in serving, and you're asking, how do I even know what the needs are? I can't really do much. I can barely just drive myself to church, and I don't know what, what I can contribute. Well, you drove yourself to church. You can contribute something. One of the things that we've talked about for a while is we want to have Some van drivers on Sunday mornings that would pick people up. We've got a couple guys that have signed up to do that already. But imagine you giving up 30 minutes once a month of your time to help someone or a handful of people to be able to come to church that wouldn't be able to come. All you can do is drive to church. Well, you can drive to church and drive the church van, three or four houses, pick up a few people and help them come to church. We're kind of out of the way out here. There's no public transportation. There's people that would like to come and be a part. Some of you have the gift and the ability to teach. and There's opportunities to teach. On sunday mornings in our kids church and on wednesday nights others of you are skilled with being able to build or, or fix things or whatever there's opportunities for you to serve so we're launching a new tool today this will this will interest some of you and some of you are like that's another technology thing that i that's not for me but it doesn't mean that you can't serve i want to show you a quick video it's about a one minute video It'll show you a way that we want to connect to you with needs that we have in our church and ways that you can get involved and use your gifts and talents for the Lord. So check out this quick video on a tool called BOMO. Hey church, what if I told you on average you touch your phone about 2,600 times a day? It's true. We use our phones and screens to communicate, entertain ourselves, and to share photos of our food. What if our phones gave us the power to make an immediate impact? See, we believe that every person is gifted with a unique way to live out God's calling in their life. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality, maybe you're great with (coughs) teaching kids, or perhaps you're more of a behind the scenes kind of person. Whatever your gift is, we wanna show you exactly how you can make an impact right here in our church and in our community. That's why we're proud to announce a special resource on your phone called Vomo. With Vomo, you can be connected to any of our ministry opportunities in just three clicks. And the more you serve, the more your volunteer resume grows with you and you can even earn rewards like eBooks and gift cards. Be on the lookout for an email invitation from our church to get started serving and making your unique impact today. So this is a new tool called VOMO. You can access it on your phone, you can access it on your computer. Like I said, some of you, that's already turned you off. You're like, I don't care about that. That's fine. We still have some sign up sheets back there. You can continue to kill trees all day long, as much as you want. If it means that you're gonna serve, that's great. But this is a, a cool opportunity. And they've partnered with some businesses that have said, hey, you know, we want to reward people that serve in the church, that serve in the community. And so they're giving like free gift cards. The more you serve, you rack up points and earn rewards, it builds you a resume that you can show, you know, over the course of the last six months how many hours you've donated to the church of your time, and it even assigns kind of a numerical value to that. And so the, the miracle of technology is that if we have your email address, while you're sitting in this service, you've already received an email about VOMO for you to instantly be able to download the app and sign up. If we don't have your email address, then you can still download the app on your phone. Uh, it's VOMO app, and, uh, and then you can put in the, the code New Life Laramie, and it'll connect you to opportunities that we've already, over the last couple weeks, have been populating different areas that you can serve in the church, um, and <coughs> you can pair those with your gifts and your talents and your abilities. I mentioned the the van driver on Sunday morning. That's on there. You can see. And you don't have to to sign up to do it all the time. Because a lot of times, what happens in church is is we come in and we sit down and we're on the back row and like. You know we're just hanging out my friend Eric he's back a second time he thought it was good enough last week that he's gonna come back and check it out again and we see him we're like oh he's been here two weeks so dude I've got a perfect I need your help with the kids just for a little while till we get someone else I don't know you that well but I'm sure you're great with kids so come on let's run you back to this room and you're stuck there and if you ever come back to church you're stuck in that room for like 16 years and you're like did you ever find that guy that was gonna come and help and and you, you, You just kind of fall off the face of the planet. You're like, that's just not for me. That's not what we want. Uh, God has so gifted us with such a small building that we have multiple services and multiple opportunities for people to serve. And we love to give you an opportunity to serve possibly first service and then attend second service. Or maybe you want to just serve one week out of the month. You can do that. And this will allow our ministry leaders to uh, take people that sign up for different opportunities to serve. And and you can actually say, I can serve that Sunday, but I can't serve that Sunday. I'm available for that service, but not for that one. It's all on there. It can all be scheduled, and you earn these, these reward points. And so you can be drinking free Starbucks because you serve at the church, or you can donate those back to church, however you want to do. It's an incredible thing. We'd love for you to check it out. There's already opportunities for you to serve in children's ministry, youth ministry, worship, and media. There's things like the van drivers for Sundays. Also, our sign-ups, May 26th, the last Sunday of this month, is going to be our Celebration Sunday. And Celebration Sunday, we have people that are baptized. We have people that are new members that join the church, kids that are dedicated. You could go on the VOMO app, and it says, sign me up, and you can sign up to be baptized. You can sign up. To have a child dedicated. You can sign up to, uh, to become a member of the church. In June, we have a welcome lunch for people that are new to the church. So my friend Eric, he's going to sign up for the welcome lunch on the VOMO app today, and he's going to come in June and get a free lunch. And any of you uh, others that are here for the first time, or you've only been here a few weeks, you've never been to a welcome lunch, you can sign up for the welcome lunch through the app. It's all right there. Or you can go to the website, VOMO.org, and sign in. And uh, if technology is your thing, you do a lot through your phone, you're one of the people that touches your phone 2,600 times a day, then this is great for you. If not, you can still serve. We still want you to be involved and continue serving as you have been, and you can sign up in the sign-up sheets back there. We believe this is a tool that's going to help us ongoing to be able to communicate the needs that we have and for you to be able to look at them on your phone and to know, when is it that I'm singing again? When, When is I know I signed up for one of those weeks to teach class. Which week was it that I signed up? It's all right there on your phone. Not only yours, but your ministry leader that you're involved with. It's an incredible way for you to do that. We also have single uh, outreach opportunities like our our back-to-school giveaway that we're going to do on August the 10th. Uh, You can sign up to be involved in that outreach and come and, and pack school supplies into backpacks. You can come and do registration that day. It tells all the different needs that we have so you don't have to try to track down Which person do I need to talk to about which thing to find out what I need to do? It's all there. It's all available. We hope it will be an incredible tool for you to use um, in serving in the church and using the gifts and the talents that God has given you for his kingdom. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to dismiss. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope that you'll stay for lunch and for the auction. It's going to be an incredible time. God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for every person here for the unique giftings and talents that you've placed inside of them. I pray that we as as the church leaders would be good stewards with the the people that you've brought into connection with our church that have gifts and talents that can be used to advance your kingdom. Lord, we, we believe that there's a place for everybody, that every single person has a ministry opportunity and ability within them and that you want to see that used for your kingdom. So God, I pray that you would speak individually to hearts and lives. If you use an app on a phone to do it, more power to us. You use the donkey to speak to people in the Bible. But God, above it all, beyond the app and all those things, God, I pray that we would just be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit and be willing to be used by you. Thank you for an incredible church that serves so well. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.